This episode was recorded and produced on the land of the Gamaragal people, the Aboriginal people of Manly and Northern Sydney. I acknowledge and pay respect to the traditional owners of the land and pay my respect to any elders, past, present or emerging. Welcome back to the High People Podcast, episode 12. This episode is super exciting and super awesome, so I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. As usual, uh, give us a like, uh, jump on Facebook, Instagram, all your podcast areas, review, five stars, uh, all the feedback is amazing and really, really helpful. Thank you so much. As we mentioned last week, we're going to be dropping fortnightly episodes from now on, uh, which is cool. But yeah, during the meantime, you know, engage with us on Instagram. We're going to be asking some questions on there, putting up some content of some old episodes. I'm just always keen to hear from you guys to see if what we're doing is good and if you're enjoying it. But on to this week's episode. Some of my longest friends. I've known Heather and Joel Minnick for a long time now. And particularly Heather, I've known probably since year seven or so, which we figure out. Their story is one of ups and downs, of celebrations, of really sad times. Um, but there are some beautiful reflections and some beautiful stories in this episode, uh, in a quite emotion-charged episode um, in some senses. So it's a really good episode, a really good story. It is awesome to be able to speak to my good friends Heather and Joel um, and put this on record and, and share with you. So without further ado, this is the story of Heather and Joel. Joel and Heather Minnick, I cannot wait to have this chat. We have already been speaking offline anyway, and I think I was so excited to just to obviously see you guys again, albeit still over Zoom and the like, but just to chat to you again. But I'm really excited about tonight's one before I introduce you, because I think as Heather and I, we were just discussing, we have sort of been in each other's lives for a long period of time. And a lot of the stories that I'm going to hear you know, I've been around and I'm really excited to, to hear them again and sort of reflect on them, not only from your perspective telling them, but, you know, in, in a selfish way, nearly like my my perspective. So welcome to the High People Podcast, guys, the two of my longest friends. It's going to be awesome to have this chat. Thank you. What a treat. Yeah, thanks for having us, guys. Good to be here. I feel like being the longest friend, I get to like potentially make claim to the fact that I reckon I helped create, if not was the creator of the nickname Clates. Ooh, that is a big call. And I, I know what, well, we've known each other since, yeah, since year seven, we've known each other. So it's it's a long, long period of time. I don't want to give away our age um, on on the podcast, but yeah, I think... You could probably lay claim to that. Some early youth group days with Clates on the back of a white T-shirt, intimidating five foot nothing. I think was one of my nicknames. I think, I think only the uh, the in jokes would get that. But <laughs> oh, <laughs> no man, clearly that has stuck with you. You've been carrying yeah. that for a long time, buddy. Clates. I've been carrying that for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it is so good to to have you guys on. I'm looking forward to 
to chatting. I suppose you've got your beautiful family um, of your three beautiful kids, which is just awesome and it's awesome seeing them grow up. But what do you guys do like on on the daily? What's your, uh, Jolly, I'll start with you. What's your, your occupation or other than being an awesome dad, you know, what are you doing day to day? Yeah, so my um, Monday to Friday role, I work for a local coffee company. So I'm pretty blessed to work around a product that I love and enjoy on a daily basis, as do you, Clay. So shout out. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I love Paradox Coffee. Come on. little shout out to Paradox. Uh, outside of that, yeah, I'm busy with the three kids at home and helping out with, you know, all the responsibilities of raising and looking after them. Yeah, awesome. And then Heather, obviously, you know, you're known to me, you know, used to be in my phone as physio Heather, even before you were a physio, because that was your aspiration. That was your dream um, to be in that career. So where are you working now? Obviously, still in the physiotherapy world, but um, what's your day to day job? Or what are you working at the moment? Yeah, I am. The dream was realized Who knew. Um, but I am currently working. Um, I'm a women's health physio, kind of dived into the world of the wonderful world of women's health. And I work two days a week at a practice based out in Richmond, uh, kind of in the Hawkesbury of Sydney. So enjoy working out there and um, helping lots of wonderful women work their way through uh, life, really. So good. I think as we were chatting before, women's physiotherapy and women's health is such an area that um, needs a more light on. But and we could talk about that forever, being of both of us being health professionals. But we won't go into that now. Heather, I'm going to come back to you. Where were you? Where Where were you born? Where did you Where did you grow up? Were you, did you grow up in the the Hills District um, area, or you know where was your early childhood? Mm, so uh, my parents are both from overseas um, so they moved here uh, I don't know maybe five or six years before I was born so I was born in Melbourne and then by the time I think I was one or two they were living in Sydney so I grew up in the hills kind of ever since then really hills local hills local and Jolie obviously you sound like you're from Australia so where uh, where did you grow up yeah very much an Australian accent <laughs> Um, I grew up in a small town in Oklahoma, so it is not a made-up word. It is actually a state in America. As one policeman pulled me over in Australia once and asked where I was from, I told him Oklahoma, and he told me that's a fake word. And I said, no, it's a place. <laughs> yeah, Not many people have heard of Oklahoma, clearly. Um, but that's, yeah, my hometown from small town Oklahoma. So you get pulled over by the cop who doesn't know what or where Oklahoma is. I'm, I'm just conscious to say where, where did that conversation end up going after that? Uh, look, Heather can remind me a bit more of the story, but it is... His name was Crystal, yeah. which was the confusing thing to begin with. He had like hectic aviators on. We were driving along Monavale Road and Joel had his hand like out the window driving to the beach. Were you not with us or were you in one of the other cars maybe I reckon? Oh, I must have been oh, in another man. car, but I'm starting to remember this story now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like he pulled us over because Joel had his car out the window and he's like, you know, questioning him because of the accent. He's like, Oklahoma, and that's not even a real word. And he's like, do you want to come back and visit your arm as a permanent part of Monavale Road? Keep yeah. it inside the vehicle and we're like That's whoa right. this guy's intense easy crystal um, whoa yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, had, yeah, yeah. I think we had another american in the car at the time as well and it was just there was so much going on but we did make it to the oh, beach that right. day as a you plus know, safely my arm was still attached yeah. and it's not on one of the roads like the cop did think it might have been 
Oh man, that's some that's some um, like old wives' tale stories. I reckon it's finest there. You know, you're gonna lose your arm out the window. Anyway, no, don't do that for anybody yeah. listening. Don't definitely yeah. don't do that. But um, heading your way to the beautiful beaches where uh, I am currently now, which is yeah, crazy that I've ended up here after all those times of traveling 55 minutes just to get to the beach to get sunburnt all day, then drive all the way home, and then just be in pain for the next two days because my white skin couldn't cop the northern beaches sun. So. Still hasn't changed. But at least you're closer to the so, beach. That is that is very true. So Joel, I'm obviously really keen to explore. You know, you've you grew up in Oklahoma. Um, you know, you've done you know your life there, your university, your college, and all those types of things. And then there's a point in your life where you go, I'm going to go to Australia. What? How did you get to that point? Yeah, there's a bit of a backstory to that one, as you can understand. Uh, I was about to graduate university, like I said, I was going through at Oklahoma State University and was about to graduate with a degree in advertising and really didn't want to get into full-time work and a career straight away and uh, had been really growing in my walk with God and just kind of questioning like what would it be like to, I don't know, live a life more based around Him and His ways and His thoughts. And so I'd been praying a lot about, all right, what's the next step after graduation? And there was one particular um, worship event that I was at. And I felt like God told me to go to Australia. I was like kind of blown away. And this is a voice that I, you know, like the voices that you hear, like the voice in your head type thing. And I was like, man, is this real? Like I just knew that that's what it was. And it was a very random thought and it couldn't have come from basically anywhere else. Like, outside of maybe one or two cousins that have come to Australia to do like a study abroad. I never even heard of Australia outside of maybe Steve Irwin or something like that. Um, <laughs> but after that moment, I was kind of like, oh, well, man, God, if this is real, like, can you kind of confirm this or give me like a dream about it maybe later on tonight? And so I went back into the, the worship event that I was at and one of the ladies that was there was an elder and kind of took me aside and said, I really feel like God's telling me for you to go to Australia. I'm like, did you just hear what I heard? Like, that's what I heard. Wow. And just after I had that moment with God and then told him, I'd really like to have a confirmation about it. That moment I've heard pulling me aside and telling me that she heard from God for me to go to Australia. Like the peace that came about, like I knew nothing about Australia, barely knew where it was and to have this little guy from Oklahoma move all the way to Australia is just a mind-blowing act in and of itself. I didn't know anybody over here. And that's when all those kind of thoughts, the practicality kind of came into it of like, what are you going to do over there? I don't know anyone. Okay, sure. Like God calls me over to Australia, but what's next? So yeah, that's kind of how it all started and the rest is kind of out playing every day. Yeah, and we will get to that because that is an awesome story and how that all all comes about into it as well. So, so Joel, so from you know you, you you're in Australia, um, you know what was next? Did you, you know what? Where did you stay? What was the what was the next steps for you there? Yeah, so I um had my two luggage bags, made it to Sydney, Australia, which is a very long plane ride for a little Oklahoma boy, um, but had short term accommodation. Um, lined up for a week um, from a friend of a friend and basically on the second night the guys were asking me all right well where are you staying tonight because we kind of thought you'd be out of here I'm like oh my gosh 
I don't have my bearings at all. It was not too far from King's Cross where this place was, and I'm wandering around the city, still getting used to cars driving on the other side of the road, blah, blah, blah. So um, anyway, I had some mutual friends that lined me up with an Australian guy um, that I messaged previously on Facebook and said, you know, I'm coming out to Australia. be nice to, like, talk to you potentially. Don't know if you're on the right side of the country or not, but ended up calling this guy, Andrew, who you had on episode one of High People Podcast. Who connected yeah, the Bollins. The Bollins, little shout out. Um, and called him up and basically said my story, like, here I am, I'm in Sydney, don't really know where I'm going. And he, out of the kindness of his heart, said, well, why don't you come and stay at my place? I'm like, what? I don't know you, you don't know me. Like, I know nothing about you outside of your name, but I guess that's the only option I've got. So, all right, how do we do this? Where can we meet up? Uh, and then from there, he basically told me later on that he was working in a cafe environment where he didn't have his mobile on him at all, except for that particular time of day where he was running up to Woolies to get some milk or something they'd run out of in the cafe. So it was just one of those moments where I don't believe much in coincidences. I think God's hand and God's fingerprint is over our lives so many times um, that we have glimpses of um, throughout our, our life. Yeah, so good. And then this is where it gets really exciting because obviously because I'm really selfish and I get involved at this point. Where <laughs> yes. it, this is this is October. Um, and so for the people listening, know that October 17th is one of the greatest days of the year being uh, my birthday. And <laughs> we were going out for my 20th birthday because, you know, 20, big celebration. You know, like, it was your 19th. 19th. The 19th, Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm not I even know. on the right story. Yeah, okay. I, I, I suppose. We've well, known since... each other for longer than you thought. Oh my goodness. I love these stories. It's so good. Well, Heather, I'm going to go to you because you, you obviously remember the night better than I do because that was the first night that we had both met Joel. Um, yeah. What was your first memories of meeting Joel? And Joel, you were in the country for what, four days, five days, maybe at this yep, point. And next days. thing you know, you're coming out, next thing you know, you're coming out to our old Wallaby bar in Darling Harbour to celebrate yeah, some you. bloke named Clayton Waters 19th birthday. Like, So Heather, <laughs> what was that like for you? You're meeting Joel for the first time. We're all meeting Joel for the first time. What do you remember from that night? It was a lot. I remember we were starting at Andrew's house that night and we were meeting there and like carpooling in or something. And he's like, oh, yeah, this American guy just turned up at my house. He's staying. <laughs> I just invited him along. So he's not staying here by himself. <laughs> and we're like, oh, okay, like ring in, whatever, that's fine. So we're like in the car driving. I can't. I can't remember the proper details of it, but I remember like I was sitting in the passenger seat and like joking that I was pretending to drive oh, to like yeah. make him feel more comfortable. Mm. And I don't know, he was just, I don't know, I really got along with him. We sat together and the train ride in. I just remember thinking like, he's just such a funny guy and had such a good sense of humor and just like people that you meet and you just, things kind of click when you meet them. Like you just get along really well. Anyway, so that was the train ride in. And then we were going to the Wallaby Bar, which was like kind of ironic for an American. His first bar in the city is the Wallaby Bar. <laughs> um, and then I think the peak of the evening, personally, was when the song oh, that, um, by Estelle and Kanye, American Boy, yes. comes on. Oh, my gosh. Like all of us, Joel's like pretty tall. So he's like head and shoulders above the dance floor. Everybody in our group just like turns and yells, American Boy. And he's just like <laughs> reveling in Sydney, thinking it's the greatest night of his life and we're all just like jumping on the bandwagon so it was a pretty momentous first night i have to say absolutely joel joel at that point moments of my life (laughs) (laughs) top five moment at that point joel's like all right i officially belong in australia now this is i've got people that i've I've got people 
I've got people that I've known for under six hours, like borderline, like getting around me here. Like how yeah. good is this? All because of that song from Estelle, which we will get to because that's another big part of, um, spoiler alert, your wedding. And, and the, <laughs> one of the, like I've said to you, top five weddings I've ever been to because it was a lot of fun. Yeah. But then, so, you know, we, we obviously were going to figure out because, you know, you're married now, spoiler alert, you've got your beautiful mm. children and the like. There's got to be a conversation at one point when you've started dating and, you know, you've got these things and, and Heather, I'll go to you on this one. You've got these things to consider. Joel, you're from America. You've come over at that time, you know, for a, a temporary um, visit. You know, you're just following the word of, you know, what you felt, um, I suppose, called to do. You've come to Australia. You've, you've been obedient in that sense. You found this awesome chick who you've fallen for. You've started dating. Now, how, how did you guys, I suppose, manage that first part of your relationship in the, not in the sense of the unknown of like, you know, but what the uncertainty of, you know, where's this going to go? Is Joel going to go back? Are we going to stay? Like, how did you, how did you, from your perspective, how they manage that at the start? Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of it as well, like we even just delayed, like we were both clicked and got along really well with each other. And I think a lot of our friends were like, why don't you guys just start dating? But both of us were like, I was like, he's out here on a one-year working holiday visa. He's not out here for a girl. And Joel's like, I'm not out here for a girl. Like I'm out here on a one-year working holiday visa. I didn't come here to stay for longer than that. So there was that hurdle to begin with that probably delayed us like considering dating for such a period of time. And then it gets to the point where we're like, well, you know, yeah, we're attracted to each other and we would like to start dating, but is there any point even entering into this if it's just going to end in heartbreak? Like we kind of have to be like all in here or not because it's going to be logistically a lot to work through um, when we come to the end of this year. Like I don't want to just enter into something lightly and just go through flying by the seat of our pants, I guess, in a sense. Like we Mm. wanted to know that what we were entering into, we could see a future in. So it kind of makes sense, like even just to get to the point of being, okay, let's try dating was almost like a massive conversation. Um, and then like constantly in the back of your mind is like, Oh, what are we going to do in this year? And how are we going to navigate this? And so I think it just made us have a lot of bigger picture conversations in the beginning and work through a lot of those bigger issues from early on. Um, and kind of, I think both of us knew that we could see this going for a, a really long time. Um, when we started dating, which is quite a lot to put on a relationship in the beginning. Yeah. It sounds like, well, in my mind, you have those hard conversations or hard per se in the sense of, you know, assessing everything and having those conversations early, which is, I suppose, in the sense, set your, you know, marriage up per se, because you've had those hard conversations. You kind of like, we're all in, you know, this is what we're going to do. And, and Joel, I'll, I'll throw to you now when, you know, you've gone through this dating and then obviously you've asked Heather to marry you, you know, then we've got the wedding, you know, at what point, you know, you've come to Australia, did you even fathom you know, this happening? Not at all, especially in the very beginning. Like Heather said, I was out here for a year long working holiday visa, followed what I thought was a call in my life and really wasn't you know, focused on finding a girl or anything like that. So it was really just like Heather said, something that we really wanted to really press into quite seriously. And like, man, if we're going to do this, like I really want to commit to it and do it really well. Um, so it was something that, you know, even the early days of coming to Australia, finding, you know, very tough. Cause I'm like, man, some of the times, like, what am I doing out here? But it was the times like that, that I needed to just press in, um, to God and just become, I guess, more close to him and draw on his strength. 
like he is my shield and my strength and so many Bible verses that talk about it. And it was just time to press into that basically. Yeah, well, I am forever thankful, and I'm sure Heather is as well, to God for that you came out to this country because, um, you know, we've been mates for now a long time, but it still feels like, you know, it's crazy because I remember exactly like 19, obviously don't remember it that well because I thought I was 20, (laughs) but, you know, (laughs) irrelevant. Um, But yeah, I still remember the day that we first met and I remember hearing your story for the first time and I've, I've been triggered, you know, that in the sense of the memory that, you know, you didn't go straight to the to the bollums and I remember... Where the stories of you buying your first car, putting the OSU sticker on the back, you know, like yeah. the car breaking down and coming to church <laughs> and then this whole process starting and, and everything. And I want to take you to, like I've mentioned a couple of times, you know, the wedding, you know, that must have been just a whole, it's, it's a process, right? There's, there's no doubting that. But for you on so many levels, because... You know, you've got family coming out, Joel. You know, I had the pleasure of sitting next to um, one of your siblings um, all night, and that was fantastic. We had a cracking night um, talking American football and literally everything um, and having um, a few beers as well, which was awesome. But that day for you guys, you know, outside of obviously, you know, committing to each other, you know, what did that um, mean for you? And Heather or whoever wants to answer first, but you can, you can go for it. I think... The big thing for us is like we wanted it to be a celebration for like everybody coming together and to be a part of. Like we knew we had so mm. much family coming out and like my family were being overseas and Joel's yeah. family were being overseas. Like I have no siblings. So it was just my parents that were here. And so respecting like that they all wanted to come out and travel and were making that commitment was a really big thing to us and meant so much to us that we wanted it to be a really fun experience for them. And so we kind of like we didn't go on a honeymoon afterwards. We wanted to kind to make it like an experience of spending time together in the lead up and those days afterwards and it was just like a really special time to get to party and to enjoy having all of our family together in the one place which is probably never going to happen again mm. Mm. Um, mm. and just helping them to enjoy this city that we had developed our relationship in and to try and like we had our we wanted to find somewhere um, that you could see the city and see the harbour view because these people were travelling all the way out for that and we wanted to be able to create that fun experience for them. And I feel like it was just such a lovely evening. Like, yeah, we're so biased um, and we did enjoy it, but it was just so much fun with all of our friends and I feel like there was such a communal element to it and it was just a really fun evening to get to celebrate, you know, the journey that we'd come to that point in the kind of countries of origin and all so many aspects coming together in us, like choosing to journey together, you know, in that long-term commitment, I guess. Yeah. Joel, what did it mean to you? You know, obviously your, your beautiful mother, you know, she spoke, she came out and I remember meeting her for the first time and, you know, having your family there and, you know, having all that there. What, you know, what was that like for you? Cause you're kind of like, this is my life now. Like I'm, marrying this australian girl <laughs> like yeah. how did how did that all happen any wedding like? is a huge and momentous occasion in anyone's life right but this is like a brand new chapter and just you know welcoming in a girl to be my bride and having my family there obviously was just so important and you know it meant that i could you know show them around the place that i'd been for the previous what four years or something at that stage mm. um, and just was an incredible experience to basically take them and show them the different aspects of my life down under and have them kind of blown away at, you know, the beaches and the life and whatnot that we've created down under. Yeah, so good. And so you said, you know, you delayed your honeymoon because, you know, we had family over and, um, and the like. And I, I still, 
I know I've brought it up, but that wedding was so much fun. I remember just having an absolute ball. And I think, Heather, you nailed it. It was a very communal, like, night. Everyone enjoyed it. Like, for example, Joel, I share that story because I remember talking, um, you know, with your brother and just, like, having a great time. Like, loved it. Like, having a chat with him. And it was as if we were, like, nearly long-lost friends that we, like, had reunion, like, and we had a chat again. And it was... a awesome awesome night dance floor was great estelle came on american boy i think we all sang it and, and lost it and then we had a little i think there was a couple of people being like what the hell is going on here but we all knew that this was like a pivotal <laughs> moment in oh, the yeah. in the minix uh life um mm. you got the chance to to go away um after that where did you um where did you head off what was your first uh, i suppose trip away as a, as a married couple mm um side note on the dance floor we really need to give a massive shout out we continue to think about it al Herkus was our um mc one of our friends and so we had planned out this playlist for the dance floor and um, but we did it all online and there wasn't good reception at the venue and it just was the days before music streaming was particularly good so our playlist didn't work so al the mc of all mcs actually had this backup playlist that he'd made years before and he's like a really musical guy he really appreciates good music but he tried to make it for someone's 21st and it flopped massively it never got the recognition of his own <laughs> so he played it as the dance floor of our wedding and like so many people remember the dance floor it was the playlist of all playlists it was just like bangers after bangers and he just <laughs> nailed it and I feel like we owe the, that amazing dance floor memory purely to him so I need to give credit where credit's due yeah, I hope, um, that is definitely someone I'm gonna actually Facebook message right after this and you're coming on the high people podcast because Absolutely. Heather and Joel dobbed you in on their episode. So yeah, yeah Herkus, if you're listening, I'm coming for you. Um, I love it. Um, but we decided we got married in the November. So we decided for December, we went all out and we decided to go to America for Christmas um, and to kind of celebrate with um, Joel's extended family who couldn't make it out for our wedding. And so we embraced and went to Colorado and spent like a week in the Rocky mountains, which was fun. Um, and then spent Christmas and like got in Oklahoma um, a white Christmas on Christmas Day. It was 100% chance of snow. Started raining at like 9 a.m. and then kept snowing for the rest of the day. It was glorious. Like couldn't have written it, um, you know, for ourselves. And Maybe. This, and this doesn't happen. Like a white Christmas in Oklahoma is a rarity. Like oh. growing up there, I may have had two, maybe three white Christmases growing up there. So to have one on our honeymoon that we were back for, and uh, like Heather said, the weather prediction was 100% chance of snow on Christmas day. And it came through and we're talking like a good six inches of snow where it was nothing in the morning. And by that afternoon, it was just a winter wonderland cool. all over McAllister, Oklahoma. Mm. So it was a very special trip. Yeah, good. yeah I bet. That is amazing. Mm. We're going to, um, we're going to shift gears here. And, and this is um, probably comes to the part where um, Heather, I'm definitely going to be guided by you and, and Joel in, in this situation of how we go about it. And, it would be unfair to obviously not uh, mention, I suppose, what we're about to talk about next in the sense of your part of your life, because it is a, a massive part of your life. But you know, not too long after uh, you were married, you were hit with, um, I suppose, a, a health issue. Um, I'll let you explain um, what that is. I'm just really keen to explore and understand. Um, it, it was, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it from my perspective here as well, because I remember hearing for the first time and being like, oh my goodness, okay, I can't believe this is happening firstly. But you know, talk us through, you know, in, in however you want to, you know, what was, you know, what happened and, you know, what was the, 
in a sense, how did you process that? And then Joel, I'll come to you because I'm keen to understand you know, how you both process that um, together. Being a young married couple, I suppose, um, is, mm. the, is a really big, big, big thing to do. For sure. Um, so, yeah, we did the Christmas in December um, and then came back in January. And I'd had that kind of, I don't know, in the end, at the end of January, basically, I got diagnosed with um, Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, so about three months after we were married. And it had been a bit of a journey to get testing and it kind of been missed and blah, 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 which is unfortunately like the common story for like young people who do get diagnosed with this type of cancer. It tends to oftenly, often present in early 20s and it's a bit of a journey to get that diagnosis. So we've had like right of our lives, um, had this amazing honeymoon and then like very quickly back down to earth again with this diagnosis. Um, so it was pretty full on and like very, um, like we didn't have that kind of honeymoon period of just kind of settling into marriage and having that kind of, um, you know, easy, you know, fit into the normal mold of life as a married couple, I suppose. And I think like it was a real baptism of fire in a sense, like it cuts, it cut through a lot of the like little unimportant issues and we just got straight to big picture issues um, and Once dealing. Again. Yeah. And I think a lot of the groundwork in hindsight, we kind of realized a lot of the groundwork of the visa challenges and the, um, you know, country challenges that we had during dating and like all of these things that we had to navigate in our dating point almost got us to the point. We like, yeah, great. We've managed to work through a lot of this stuff and that's really great but that was almost just the groundwork for then this massive diagnosis and working through health and am I going to survive this like what does this mean mm. for my life like in going through treatment and um, treatment was like really tough going through chemo and radio and like that idea um, which you've probably heard me speak about before like everything that defined me was stripped away like I couldn't work I lost my hair I couldn't go out I was so sick and unwell um, I couldn't play sport which I love like there's all these things stripped away and you, you're left with yourself and you have to ask like who am I when I can't do all of these things so it was very big mm. you know life issues that we were working through but for Joel and I it probably just made us get deeper again and we chose to use it to strengthen us I suppose and like absolutely God worked through that like I think there's a big element for us that we kind of, you know, feel that um, suffering kind of, you really learn who you are and God really works through suffering. There's a lot of verses in the Bible, like be glad when you're presented with suffering, um, which is so mm. countercultural, such a flip on the narrative. But for us, we're like, okay, this is huge. This is a big challenge. This is something massive that we're faced with. I want to learn all we can through this and to embrace all that um, we think God can teach us through this. Um, and so we just tried to navigate through that really one day, one hour at a time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, yeah, no, it's funny because I, I reflected on this a lot um, since, you know, we, I asked you guys, you know, would you be keen? And because I was, I was keen to explore this because what I remember about you because a lot, a lot of the time Joel was giving us updates because we were like you know how, how's it going and you know we were we were chatting you know a lot of the time anyway but I remember um, Heather when we used to catch up whether it be at church or I remember coming over a couple of times and, and we were sitting and chat but I've I remember there was times where you were just like yeah I feel crap I feel sick 
but you were always ridiculously positive. Now, I don't know if that was, in a sense, a, a face that you were putting on for us. And if it was, who cares anyway? Because I remember being so blown away by the fact that you're going through um, this treatment, you're going through so many changes in the sense of your body and how this is all going. Um, was that a, a bit of a mindset thing or do you think that just naturally you know, came to you? Yeah, I think um, I think a bit of both. Like I'd watched my mum go through cancer, um, so I think that was probably something that I'd observed, and I kind of had a bit of an insight into what I was in for. Um, so maybe somewhat that kind of helped. But I think even like it was really weird. Like got like Joel spoke earlier about that piece that he had when he had that confirmation of coming out to Australia. I'm sitting there in this doctor's office, flabbergasted at the fact that he's just diagnosed me with cancer. But there was like, we walked out of the office, sat in the car and just had a moment. And I just had this peace and potentially this thought in my head, which I think was God, because who thinks this in that situation? It was just like, you're going to be okay. You're going to get through this. And I'm going to see you out the other side of this. And so I still had moments of doubt, but I just tried to, I don't know, I kind of clung to that. And I think having amazing friends like you and our friendship group around us who were real and would sit with us, like helped to journey through that and to feel that support. Mm. And I just had this underlying, like, you know, peace throughout it all that somehow I was going to get through this. Mm. And I think, you know, um, there had been a few like just this random wise woman who like I think she was like my eyebrow waxing lady or something happened to be a Christian and just reminded me of this fact which I think it was God just giving me something in that moment like um, I don't know I'd had like this random prophecy spoken over me years prior um, about being a mother and I was like 17 at the time completely irrelevant and I found it really odd but it always stuck with me because it was so out of the ordinary and I just had this lady remind me like when God speaks a word he's going to follow it through to fruition like he's not going to let go of you he's made a promise and God keeps his promises and so for me that was almost another element of like okay well that hasn't happened yet like I'm just gonna trust God okay, God, you're going to see me through to this and we're going to somehow get through this. Hmm. Joel, from, from your perspective, and uh, uh, I'm just filled with joy. Like it, I'm filled with joy because I know the, the ending, you know what I mean? Like, and I suppose <laughs> that's, the, that's the part because I'm, I'm, I remember you know, sitting in your place and talking and doing these things. But Joel, I'm obviously really curious to hear this from, from your perspective as well. You know, freshly married, just come back from America, you know, trying to also, you know, you, you've, you found your way in the sense of, you know, you're married to Heather, but you're also finding your way with, you know, now this is my country, you know, this is what I'm doing. And now you've been hit with, you know, now my wife has got um, this cancer battle ahead of you. What was your reaction or how did you go about processing it in the sense of, you know, the, the partner trying to process this? Oh, man, it was a very tough season, that's for sure. Um, like Heather touched on the honeymoon phase and like the typical like they lived happily ever after um, that didn't really exist for us for a whole long time I mean we had the perfect you know white Christmas in McAllister Oklahoma but coming back into it and hitting the ground with this diagnosis was oh honestly it was so tough like I was unemployed at the time so the week after our wedding I lost my job and it was one that I was going to um, quit at anyway but anyway um, so visas were a whole battle that Heather touched on before, and this just raised up even more things to, to kind of process. So 
for me, it was as a man, you want to never have anything like that happen to uh, your wife, your children, like any family members. You want to get in there and you just want to fix it. You just want to go in and, you know, it's hard to just sit idly. And in this particular instance, obviously, there was nothing that I could do except love her and show her the support that I know she would need during this time. So honestly, like it was a very, I guess, dark battle that I had with God and just kind of questioning and like, why is this happening to her? Like, how can this not happen to me? How can we like, how can we go through this? This isn't right. Like we were just married, like so many questions of faith and my journey with God and just kind of wrestling with him back and forth. But there was this one verse that honestly, we wrote it around our house on like the mirrors we wrote it on, you know, one of the like bathroom mirrors and a um, huge verse that led us to just be reminded of God's spirit in amongst it all. And it was something that um, pure gold put through the fire comes out proved pure and genuine faith put through this kind of suffering comes out proved genuine. And that was something mm. that we obviously like just clung to, like Heather mentioned, like on a daily basis and on an hourly basis at the times when it was, you know, becoming too much to handle that was a verse that I would just absolutely cling to. It's, um, I always find it really, um, fascinating is not the right word. I use that word in a lack of a better word to hear, obviously the, the, the battle of the person going through the illness and, um, you know, that, that, that process of, you know, chemotherapy and those things. And we can, we can somewhat align with that and go, you know what, that sounds horrible for someone who has not experienced that in anything and been lucky probably in my life to have not experienced many health issues per se. But then to hear the perspective of the person who has to go through it, but not go through it, you know, hearing that from, from you, Joel, is, is always really interesting. I suppose together um, in this, and Heather, I'll go to you first. What, what was some of the things that you learned about, I suppose, yourself? during this time that, you know, you didn't just wake up one day and go, you know what, I might, I might be really sick, um, for the next, you know, year or next two years or the like, you know, what was something that you were like, wow, like I've, you know, I don't know, learnt about yourself, I suppose. I'm, I'm struggling for words because I'm actually getting like, I'm re- remembering a lot of things as well. It's nearly emotional for me too, to, to think about it as well. I think like I kind of spoke about before, like everything was stripped away. Um, And so a lot of the things that I did and would go about doing that were important to me or that I felt defined me or that I couldn't be the person that I was without doing those things, they were all taken away. So it was almost like starting from scratch again. Like when I did have the help, when I did have the ability to do things again, what was I going to choose to pick up again? What was important to me? Um, And what did I want to have the capacity to be able to do again? And I think like one big thing for me, um, I just wanted to exercise again. I just wanted to do sport again and to run and to like have the health and the energy to exercise. Um, That was something that I was really clinging on to throughout all of this. I just made a really high level netball team um, prior to my diagnosis. And I was so stoked to be like, I finally made it to vision one. And I was like really looking forward to throwing everything into getting ready for that and then I had this diagnosis and so I think I was just so upset that I never got a chance to live that out and I was really I think also clinging on to like wanting to be able to get back into exercise to try to get to that point again yeah for anybody who knows you obviously exercise was a big part with netball in particularly um you know those types of things and I think to be able to yeah process that like I'm trying to think of like what 
would it take for me to have something that I really, really love stripped away and then not be able to control that? Like that's a, that's a really heavy, um, you know, thing to take. And, and that's why I'm just always in awe of like, um, people who do, you know, go through cancer battles, um, and the like is just insane. But what I really want to do is shift gears because I think there's a lot to learn from that. And, and like I've said in the past, like, you know, being close to, um, you guys and going through that was immense. And, you know, it is just, it was incredible to see your resilience, um, throughout Heather and to see you guys grow together. But Joel, I'm going to ask you this one straight off the back. You have uh, three beautiful children, as we mentioned at the start. Um, you know, your first beautiful girl came into the world. You know, what did it mean for you to all of a sudden then be a father? You know, after you've dealt, you've dealt with this, this is all, you know, you've gone through that journey and now you're moving into the next stage of your life, which is you're like, you know what, we're going to, you know, um, you know, have a family and go down that path. What did that mean for you to become a father for the first time? Like you said in the question, it was a massive shift of gears, that's for sure. Massive shift. Um, <laughs> I, when Heather got the diagnosis, part of, and one of the hardest things was, you know, knowing that some of the treatment that she was going to go through could cause, you know, problems having a family later on. So that was a concern mm-hmm. that we kind of had to just discuss and work through. And I guess part of our relationship that was set up on such a, like a strong base when we were dating and that fully, you know, committed you know, right from the beginning, you know, before we even started dating, our friends were asking us, you know, you guys should just start dating. We wanted to, you know, really press into our core values aligned so much that that's what really saw us through. Um, so having that kind of question raised, you know, three months into marriage, cancer diagnosis, you know, potentially you know, going through infertility, uh, it was just a lot to process. So then coming out the other mm. side and shifting gears to now, like, we're going to have a baby girl. It was just like mind-blowing, like, absolutely mind-blowing. Mm. Shifting gears completely, like going from, you know, having your wife gone through cancer treatment to losing everything that defined her to then, you know, stepping into a completely new stage of life um, was just an accelerated next step in marriage, but one that was, you know, a big one for us to go through together. And I think one that, you know, like we've shared, we were committed to do together. Everything we're going to do, we're going to do it with a whole heart and do it, you know, for the best of each other's ability and for the blessing of each other. Joel, do you, do you remember when you told me that Heather was pregnant? I think from memory, was that church, is that right? In the stairwell? Yeah. Yeah, no, it was on, it was on the courts. And I remember you told me because again, obviously it was probably one of the last things I was expecting, (laughs) um, considering, you know, the, the turbulent times that had occurred, but like, I remember jumping up and down and hugging you and Heather, you're about 15 meters away. I remember. And then I turned and looked at you and you were just beaming, smiling at me because you knew that obviously Joel had just told me that is still so vivid in my brain like I remember like after church out up the back past the tables there I remember you you telling me and I just remember being so excited for the idea that you were going to become parents like you know it was just absolutely awesome and I suppose for you now Heather similar question You, you had that you know the the prophetic word when you were 17 that you know about becoming a mum all of a sudden that is somewhat coming a reality you know what did 
that look like for you and you know considering everything you've gone through which we mentioned but now you know you're moving into a different season or whatever christianese word you want to use there um to, to move through what did that you're becoming a mother you know what was those steps like for you mm, i think um yeah i definitely didn't expect that word of like becoming a mother to be like i knew it got me through but i didn't think i would see it occur that soon afterwards <laughs> i thought that was a other mm. thing um so I think, I know it was a, another big journey. And for me, I don't know, it was kind of different because like um, like chemo treatment and cancer treatment has an end date on it. But like when you're going into raising a child, that's like a big lifelong phase that I felt very ill-equipped for um, and didn't really, I hadn't been around many other, none of our friends had kids and I had no family in Australia. So I hadn't seen nephews or nieces grow up on, um I think I just like, there was a, a blessing in the nine months that I needed to prepare. Um, you know, there's a, a very big intention, I'm sure, behind God's design, or I believe God's design for nine months to process things and to work through things and to get yourself ready for this next jump and phase in life. And so I think it took me a lot of time to process that and to work through that. And I still remember going into motherhood feeling so unprepared and not really knowing how to prepare myself very well i clearly didn't work in women's health physio at that point um mm. so i can remember being in the hospital after we had our daughter and like having to ask the midwife like i actually don't know how to change a nappy could you please show me like this is really embarrassing but i need someone to show me can you please teach me like that's that's about the level we were starting out from hey um so I was only going to go up from there but I think I don't know again I was really blown away by God's design in motherhood and really humbled by that and that like you come into the world I didn't know anything about my daughter and she knew nothing of the world and somehow there's this beautiful design that like you grow day by day with them like as they learn more about the world you learn more more about them and somehow you you learn this little human in front of you and you learn how to take care of them and she's just like the most beautiful child and just blows us away constantly and it's been a very humbling experience um becoming parents and getting to know each of these tiny humans that we're responsible for yeah yeah it really is and i think i i remember i, I don't know if it was the night or whatever you i still don't believe you i can't believe you did this but you let joel go and he came and had a beer with us at the Northmead RSL. Uh, <laughs> I came home from hospital, I think. Right, it was. Uh, it was uh, me, Bol, Brudad, and uh, us. I think it was the four of us. Oh, Drew, maybe as well. I don't know. I can't remember. But yeah. Um, yeah. I remember being like, we're home. And then it somehow teed into this fact like, we're going to go have a beer. And we were like, right. We literally just dropped everything. And we were just like, you know, we've got to go wet the baby's head as that, as they call it. And we had oh, a, nice. we had a schooner at the North Mead RSL. So <laughs> <laughs> I remember Wonderful sitting Ari. there, I remember sitting there being like, how has Heather let you out? Like what? How, you have a baby at home. What is, what is going on here? Oh, hey, there was I'm... no precedent. We were we were rookies at it, so we're like, yeah, sure, why not? You can go out. <laughs> I think there's a there's an old Instagram photo uh, flying around, probably when, yeah, those those dodgy Instagram days where you know we've had some photos with the OSU jerseys on. Jolly, we've had those days. Yeah, yeah. And, a few good filters um, involved. Uh, a few good uh, Cutler XV Pros and the like um, that, we, <laughs> <laughs> that we'd used in the past. I suppose now um, you've got your three beautiful kids, you know, all different ages um, and the like. What, what is something that um, I suppose if you were to 
take yourself back to those nine months, um, Heather, and be like, I wish I knew this, or if I was going, if someone was going through this in the next nine months, I would tell them this. Is there anything that you would say to the parents, um, you know, that are going through this next step? It's an interesting one. I think there's kind of two elements to it. Ironically enough, that's kind of what I do as part of my job now. Like I see a lot of pregnant women and antenatal women and there's something kind of beautiful that I always take an intentional moment just to help prepare them for the, you know, mental load and emotional load that they're inevitably going to be working through ahead and their identity changes and who they used to be. Like there's an inevitable, very dependent new human being on like relying on them. And so inevitably life changes a little bit, but I think there's an element, I kind of wish I knew that I would grow as they grow. Um, Mm. And Mm. I wouldn't have been so worried and so caught up about having to know all the right things because somehow you kind of get through it. And I kind of wish I knew that a little bit. Um, But also there's an element of like, there's some things in life. And unfortunately I'm coming more and more to the conclusion that kind of entering into parenting is one of them. Like until you live it, you can't quite wrap your head around the mind blowing roller coaster of an experience that it is um fully like you can Mm. do a lot of things to prepare but it's always going to take you places that you never expected you would go yeah and joel how about from your perspective obviously being the the other end um on the, the father side is there is there anything that you would say to some future fathers to be like this is what you're in for Look, I completely echo the same thing. Like one day at a time and growing with your child was one of the biggest take-home points. And honestly, I remember having friends that had older kids come over and visit and looking at, say, like the three-year-old daughter at the time when our little girl was just born and she's only, you know, weeks old or anything like that and coming over to visit for the first time. And looking down at my little girl who's only a few weeks old and seeing their three-year-old being like, oh my goodness, I have no idea what to do with a three-year-old. I can cope with this but getting to that is going to be a journey. So it's just day by day, that step-by-step journey of, you know, growing with them. I think it's an absolutely beautiful thing um, to walk through parenting and to, I guess, redeem a lot of life that you've experienced, right? Like we've gone through a crazy journey, like we've shared here tonight and being able to redeem so many of these stories and just life, life is messy. Life is fun. Life is joyful. There's so many aspects of life. And being able to, you know, raise up young people with a resilience to, to take life and make the most of it, you know, knowing that there are going to be good days, there are going to be bad days. Mm. And guess what? Like the future is bright and, you know, that's okay. That is life. And kind of to be able to raise them in a place like it's a really beautiful privilege to be able to raise them in a place that's safe and that they can feel unconditional love in. I think that's something that like are two really important values for us when raising our kids and just helping them to know that they're loved regardless of, you know, who they are. We love them and we always will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I believe so... we have a heavenly father that loves us regardless mm. of you know, what we do. There's nothing that can cause us to lose that love from the father and trying to parent like that is crazy. Um, because it's so challenging in mm. those times when I you know, want to reprimand my kids and it's like, well, how would I think my Heavenly Father show me love in that particular instance? And it's a humbling experience to be like, oh, even though I want to do something that's reprimanding your child or disciplining in a certain way, it's just taking a step back and doing it in an act of love as opposed to in the heat of the moment when it's, you know, 
not a good time to go into disciplining your child clearly you need to step away um, but just showing them that they are loved regardless mm. yeah, I love that that's awesome and it's, it's a great reflection I've always um, appreciated both your your wisdom um, as we've grown up and, and Joel you've definitely made a part of some some big decisions that I've made as well um, in particularly in the last two years and the like which has always been appreciated but Joel I've got to ask now because you're pretty much Aussie Joel now you've been here for way too long um, now what's your what's your favorite part of Australia other than Heather and myself um, you know what, <laughs> <laughs> what's, the, what's the part what's the part that it, I, I think, well, the thing I love is like what's the part of Australia you always go you haven't either got used to yet or you're like, oh man, like I still like see it and go, wow, like this place is pretty cool. One of the best things, like it's the industry that I work in, but coffee, I absolutely love <laughs> the Australian coffee culture. Seriously. Like just the ability to like expect really great coffee no matter where you go. But beyond that, to have that relational aspect of, you know, catching up with, you know, your mates over a cup of coffee or, um, just doing life in its relational aspect. I think so much of that, you know, at least my experience in growing up, growing up in America was all about, you know, the fast takeaway, you know, get it and go, get it and go and, you know, drive away type thing. But the cafe culture here where it's, you know, sit down, enjoy it, have some really good hospitality. And the flip side of that is the beer culture as well. You know, go out for a beer, which I know, Clates, we've had a few in our time. Absolutely. Ready for another one. Yeah, we need to do another one, that's for sure absolutely mm. you've um you've both reflected you know quite elegantly and beautifully over you know in topics of all ranges there's highs lows you know however whatever you want to uh talk about i suppose um heather i'll go to you in the sense of a final word you know we've talked about you know lessons of you know going through when you were going through your treatment you know, you've talked about you know becoming a mother is there yeah, any overarching, you know, like if you look, you've had the chance to sort of look back on these stories and reflect and tell these stories. And what, what, how does that make you feel when you reflect on, you know, that nine, you know, when we were 19 years old and in Wallaby Bar driving from Beecroft that then we've ended up here in this situation? Like what has that sort of meant to you or is that what emotions has that brought up reflecting on that over this time? Yeah, it's a pretty, pretty wild ride when you kind of, break it down into all the different things that have happened I think I don't know I'm kind of thankful looking back on it all like it's all it's definitely created me to be um a very resilient person um I think I don't know I probably had a fairly decent level of resilience going into it but gosh it's um had its work out and strengthened a lot of it through the life stuff that we've gone through um but I think I'm also just really thankful like to be able to journey through it with Joel as well. Like I've been so thankful to have somebody go through the highs and the lows with together as well. Somebody whose values so deeply align with mine while our personalities might be really different. It's kind of been a benefit that our values align and he's just been such good company throughout it all to the point like we can look at things and laugh and, you know, um, enjoy that journey of life together because it's been a pretty wild ride. And sometimes when you're raising young humans who are very, um, just kids are inevitably very self-focused because that's just who they're designed to be at that age. You kind of forget about the big picture of the life that you've lived beforehand sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, 
kind of thanks for asking us. It's been really fun. We've been looking back over life and photos and remembering all these aspects because it feels like a very long time ago. Yeah. Um, but it's also just, you know, part of who we are and part of what's got us to this point of who we are. And I'm just, oddly enough, I look back on it all and I'm just really thankful. Yeah, that's so good. And, and Joel, you know, 13, 14, whatever years ago now, you, you get a word from an elderly lady saying, you know, go to Australia um again you know over those periods of times ups downs roundabouts again what what is this sort of reflecting on this you know brought up with you over this sort of last time you've been thinking about it together but also yourself seriously a lot of it reminds me of just that day-to-day relationship and walk with um, the lord like the times that i feel close to him and reminded of that calling over my life that's when I feel at peace and comfortable in the situation that I'm in. If I get down the thought of, oh man, my family are too far away or you know, this is becoming too hard or anything like that. It's often the times when I feel distant from God and that relationship of my heavenly father uh, honestly makes it feel like it's 10 times harder. But just aligning myself and walking with him more on a day-to-day basis makes it that much easier. So this, you know, and lining up to this podcast is just, reminded me of the fact that you know life has been quite a ride you know the journey of coming out to australia the wallaby bar the you know the first cars in australia the cars breaking down you know <laughs> oklahoma doll like all sorts of signs of cheryl the policeman yeah <laughs> sorry it wasn't cheryl. No, that was another one that was the boat policeman the police. anyway. <laughs> so many stories that we could talk about um, just like Throughout it all, like Heather said, just nice to have a partner in life that, you know, our core values align so much, albeit, you know, she's probably the more planned, organized, you know, social one. Um, We can work together through all instances of life. Mm. The big stuff isn't so big because I've got someone that, you know, my values align so well with. That is so cool. I love it because, again, like I said, I've... I've been close to a lot of these stories in the sense of we've been been friends for a long time. So it's been awesome for me to reflect on this and also trying to think of how to ask, I suppose, questions in in an appropriate way, but also which captures the, I suppose, what happened, but also, um, yeah, I just wanted to bring it to light because I know your story is just incredible and and there's so many elements of it that... um, yeah, you may forget, but I remember like being, you know, so in so depth or so detailed. And I know a lot of other people have said that too. So thank you so much um, for coming on the High People podcast. It has been a pleasure. Um, and I suppose we'll end the podcast here, but we're probably going to keep chatting after this. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for coming on, guys. It's, it's been really, really good. Thank you so much. Thanks, Clates. <laughs> yes. Very good. <laughs> Thanks for having me.